Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Well, more than five weeks now into the war, Ukrainian resistance has forced Russia into rethinking its military strategy. Well, for now at least, it has given up on capturing Ukraine's capital, Kiev. So, what's next for Russia? And should the Ukrainian resistance prevail, how will it maintain its status as an independent country? And what are the next steps for the nation? Well, joining us now is Dr. Samir Puri, Senior Fellow at Urban Security and Hybrid Warfare at the International Institute of Strategic Studies. Dr. Samir, thanks for joining us uh, tonight. What are some of the key developments so far this week uh, with, uh, in terms of the Ukrainian crisis? Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Great to be back. Uh, it's been a big week, and I'd say this week has marked the beginning of the uh, of the, the end of the start of this war. Uh, and so it's not really in the first phase, it's in the second phase. And the Russians have said that they are re- reprioritizing to the east of Ukraine. And as you said, that they're not going to pressure Kiev. Now, that's not mm. been honored in terms of how they've approached the, the conflict. They're still still bombarding across the country. But the other big thing this week uh, is the fact that in Turkey... Negotiators from both Russia and Ukraine uh, have arrived for a couple of days of face-to-face talks. And we don't have a very clear picture of what's emerged here. There's a lot of skepticism as to whether this can lead anywhere. But I'd certainly say we're, we're very much at this sort of the, the, the first phase of this war is over. And we're really sort of settling now into, I guess, the start of the middle of this conflict, which is, you know, now, now we are sort of five weeks in. Okay, so what do you foresee as the middle of this conflict? What is it going to look like? Well, this is, of course, the big question. Like, will Russia... Uh, so, so, so to speak, butcher and bolt, cause a lot of mayhem and then withdraw? Mm-hmm. Or will Russia actually stay in Ukraine mm. uh, in some form, uh, occupying certain parts of the territory uh, for, for the months or the years ahead and sort of saying, well, actually, we're going to divide Ukraine? That's the big question now. We just right. don't know. The conflict could end. It could go on. Uh, for a very long time. We just don't know. Mm. If we look at some of the latest developments, right, um, Reportedly, uh, two of Ukraine's military helicopters have struck a fuel depot in a Russian city. Now, how how much of a surprise is it that um, the Ukrainian military strategy has turned to to going into Russian territory? Huge. And it's a huge psychological boost, if indeed this is uh, true. Uh, I mean, just think about this. We've gone in the space of five weeks or so from Ukraine almost being on death's door as an independent state facing this gigantic Russian invasion, to having the audacity and the ability to send attack helicopters to attack this oil storage facility uh, on Russian soil, on Belgorod, in Belgorod. I actually thought it was an April Fool's joke when I read it this morning, Mm. because it's so surprising. Uh, And if it is indeed the case, and it just goes to show that uh, the Russians have lost so much momentum in in their uh, their offensive, that the Ukrainians have captured a lot of momentum to be able to pull something like this off. Mm. Yeah, but I think we have to qualify that this has not been confirmed. Uh, Even Reuters says it has not been able to verify the images that they're that are coming out that purportedly are of the attack. Well, we're yes. talking to Dr. Samir Puri about the latest developments coming out of the conflict uh, in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia. What's more surprising, uh, Dr. Puri, we're five weeks into this conflict, as we've been talking about, and one would expect at the start of this that Russia would have, you know, taken over, I guess, Ukraine, yeah. knowing <laughs> how big their army is, the Russian army, or, or perception of how powerful their army is. So where did they go wrong? 
Well, this is, I think this question will be one that historians will come back to for, forever now. The Russian army on paper is 900,000 military personnel. It's mm-hmm. huge. And we all know that the invasion force they assembled across December, January was about 200,000 surrounding Ukraine. But Ukraine is a huge country, huge country. And, uh, and I think this is something to keep in mind, especially you know, sitting in Singapore. It's just, it takes an overnight train just to get from Kiev to either the east or the west, potentially. Okay. Uh, and so a country that size is going to swallow up a couple of hundred thousand soldiers. It sounds a lot on paper uh, very quickly. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing that went wrong is Russia's plan was a bit too overambitious. Okay. And the second thing that's gone wrong is that the Ukrainian resistance has been a lot stronger. But I'd say that this war was uh, Russia's to lose rather than Ukraine's to win. How they've messed this up from a military perspective is astonishing, but it's in Ukraine's great favor the Russians were, were poor in their planning. That said, um, looking into the future, the war, the conflict has to end sometime, right? And even though Ukraine yeah. has made excellent headway in, in defending itself, there's still a lot of damage in the country, um, especially yeah. near the border. Um, so there's a growing debate in Western capitals about the huge financial effort that will be required to help Ukraine recover from the war. Where's that going to come from? Yeah, that's a, that's a huge question. So your first point is how you know how does this war even end? As I mentioned, either Russia does withdraw or Russia stays in some parts of Ukraine. Now, if Russia continues to occupy East Ukraine, certainly Crimea, maybe other parts that it's captured since February, then clearly Western funding is not going to be used to rebuild those parts. They'll say, Russia, that's your problem. So you might, and I'm I'm sort of prophesizing a future here. If Ukraine is divided somewhat. You might have two parallel reconstruction efforts, one presumably run by the EU and the USA to help Western Ukraine, Central Ukraine, help Kiev. And if Russia hangs on to other territories, then Russia's going to have to find the funding. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will turn to China. Maybe it will say, how about extending the Belt and Road uh, to these parts as well? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they'll have a big job to, to reconstruct it since Russia's economy has been so badly hammered by the sanctions as well. All right. Speaking of this uh, economy, the Russian economy and the sanctions that you just mentioned. So there is a deadline today for Europe to pay uh, for Russian oil and gas in rubles. What do you think will happen? I have to say, I don't know. And I think uh, that's certainly a question probably more for the sort of the, uh, the energy market analysts. So mm-hmm. I would just from a geopolitical perspective say Russia had this car to play and it's five weeks in. Putin's finally played it, which is... We'll, we'll, we'll make selling the gas to you so problematic that you either have to concede to some of our demands or mm-hmm. you don't get the gas. And mm-hmm. uh, the one thing I do know is just, just you know, being from the UK as well, my, my friends and family back home in, in the UK, Western Europe, they've had escalating energy prices and gas prices anyway for okay. the last little while. And this is actually quite a powerful uh, card. And I think you might find some countries conceding to Russia on this in Europe. Very interesting. Mm. If we look at, um, you know, diplomacy, right? <laughs> Turkey is, is, is playing host to or has played host to, to Russia and Ukraine um, yeah. to talk, uh, to negotiate. Um, and they are talking again in about two weeks. How realistic um, is it that this is going on, these talks are going on without any sort of perhaps at least public intervention, right, from Russia's, two of Russia's biggest friends on the global stage, China and India? Yes, that's interesting you mentioned that because Turkey doesn't have anything of the leverage that China would have uh, as mm. a sort of a, a critical friend of, of Russia. Um, I think there's two things here. One is that these talks are going on while the fighting is going on. 
this happens quite a lot in conflicts. You, you have these negotiations while the combat is still unfolding, but it makes it very hard because there hasn't even been a, a, a proper ceasefire, a cessation of hostilities. Mm. Uh, and I, I sort of think China is, is trying to walk a very careful middle ground. It's actually showed itself to be very unwilling to dump its support for Russia wholesale. Mm. I think it just wants this to go away. Uh, mm. It's probably uh, uh, as much of it as anything just an annoyance to the Chinese that they're newfound partners in Russia uh, are engaged in something that now seems to be an open-ended conflict. Mm -hmm. But just one just quick final observation. Turkey, interestingly, is the only country in 1974 to have invaded and divided a European country and to preserve that division, and that's in Cyprus. Mm. An example right. I think no one's really thinking about. I don't think that, that... I'm not saying that as a prejudice one way or the other, but actually Turkey is remarkably uh, uh, you know, uh, experienced in working out how to settle a conflict without settling it. Because Cyprus mm. was never settled mm -hmm. in, in, in diplomatic terms and legal terms. Mm. And I actually framed my question in, in talking about China and India not having any sort of public intervention. But I remain hopeful that, you know, in, in the vein of how a lot of Asians or Asian countries do things, um, a lot of it could be behind closed doors diplomacy that might be going on. So I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that that is going on. That is happening. Oh, so, oh, so am I. I really am. <laughs> uh, I, 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 more chance that China, less chance India, but maybe they both saw what happened to Roman Abramovich mm -hmm. and will be uh, thinking very hard about whether they send anyone to peace talks, <laughs> whether that, that is indeed true as to what happened. But we can hope. Yes, or as you say, doctor, you know, you can resolve a conflict without resolving it just like Turkey did. Thank you very much for joining us yes. uh, this Friday evening, doctor. Dr. Samir Puri, a senior fellow at the Urban Security and Hybrid Warfare at International Institute for Strategic Studies talking to us about the latest situation in Ukraine. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.